The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome to the Disability Law Show. Skulls here, along with Tamara Gopian and uh, Savannah, of course, is in the uh, in the house doing their thing as well. You want to reach out, by the way, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. That is always toll-free. Website, disabilityrights.ca. You can also go to covidrights.ca. And we'll be getting to your emails on the show today as well. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. On the show in just a bit, guys, we'll get to the top three things you should find out about your disability lawyer before you hire him or her to fight your insurance company. We'll get to that in just a bit. Key information on the way. But a week that was, got a few things to uh, to cover off. Savan, go ahead. What's up, pal? Hey, John. How are you? Good. Great. Can't uh, can't be better. Eager to uh, get right at it. Let's let's do it. So so let me start off uh, not in the typical way where we talk about disability. We're going to get to that. But I want to I want to mention uh, a, an instance that I think is probably very common now. Uh, an unpleasant experience that many businesses are finding um, out uh, or have been finding out in the last uh, couple of months during this pandemic, which is this. They've gone to their insurance companies and, and they've said, look, I have business interruption insurance. Uh, I, my business is closed down. I'm not making a profit. I want you to pay me as per the insurance policy that I bought for the business interruption here, because this is a classic business interruption situation, meaning that I'm now closed, I can't make money, uh, I'm sh- I should be covered for this. Now, uh, generally speaking, in, in, in the vast majority of business interruption insurance policies that I have come across, uh, you need to have some kind of damage uh, to your property, physical damage, or some kind of a physical impact on your uh, business premises to be able to make a claim. I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, if you have that kind of a policy and, and you don't have physical damage that you cannot make a claim. In fact, there is a case that recently came out that says that you can. But what I'm saying is that many people have those kinds of policies and they've been told by their insurance companies, you cannot make a claim or you can make a claim, but we're not going to pay you anything for your business interruption. That's, that's the unpleasant reality. Now, last week I was contacted by uh, some dentists and those dentists, uh, after SARS broke out years ago, uh, they got insurance that, uh, or, or an endorsement in, in addition to their uh, usual insurance uh, that said that uh, if there's an infectious disease or if there's a pandemic, they should be covered for that and for the business interruption and loss of revenues, loss of profits. So they have that kind of an endorsement. And despite that endorsement, the insurance company, their insurance company says, no, nope, uh, we're reading into it some kind of an implied exclusion that, you know, despite the fact that you have this endorsement, we're not going to pay you. I'm not going to get into the technical uh, legal issues here, John, but I can tell you that I've reviewed it. Uh, my partner, James Fireman, reviewed it, and our view is that the insurance company is absolutely wrong, absolutely wrong. And in the typical way that they like to deny claims, they are denying these dentists uh, the business interruption insurance that they ought to be paying them under, uh, under the policy. Uh, and, and these dentists came to me for advice and I've given them the advice that they do have in fact a claim. So I'm now talking to any listener out there who's an owner of a business. Check your business interruption insurance if you have one. Check if you have an endorsement that deals with infectious diseases or pandemics. You may have one, especially if you've gone to a broker and got the insurance through the broker. Perhaps the broker advise you to add that kind of an endorsement and you have it. If you have it and you've made a claim and you were denied, 
contact me let me have a look at the wording of the endorsement let's have a quick chat and I'll tell you if I think that you can make a claim a legal claim against the insurance company because John we're talking about tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that is owed to a lot of these businesses now that these insurance companies should be paying I mean remember premiums were paid for these policies so tomorrow I don't know if you have any thoughts about this but this is again in line with everything else we talk about each and every week about insurance companies trying to find every which way not to honor policies and not to pay under those policies when they really should be of course and and thank you for having me back on the show I'm, I'm happy to weigh in Savannah you know I had lots of experience uh, in the insurance world as you know and you know these endorsements are really really interesting uh, people pay premiums for them you're right it's the same idea uh, and when it comes time to pay out the insurance company is going to find a reason not to uh, and so I do encourage those who are out there all sorts of different businesses may have similar wording in their policies so take a look uh, and there's not a lot of law to typically because most insurance companies, by the by, don't want these issues to go before the courts because uh, they know that it will be favoring those who are trying to make a claim under the policy. So uh, much like Savan said, reach out to us. Uh, let us take a look at what kind of wording you've got. Uh, and if there's an opportunity for us to make an argument, you know we will. Guys, nicely warmed up. Let's take our first break and right back into it. In the meantime, you have other questions, you can email them, help at disabilityrights.ca, and there's also mydisabilityquestions.com. I'm sure we'll refer to that a few times during the show. That and the phone number, anytime, reach out, uh, get a hold of Tamar or James or Savannah. It's easy, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show, right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show, right back at it. Uh, Savannah Tamar here. Your questions anytime, by the way, one 821 5900 Toll-free number is always there. The website, disabilityrights.ca. Before we get into the top three things you should find out about your disability lawyer before you hire them and go out to the insurance company, we'll get to that. Uh, but a couple uh, topics or a couple things you want to cover off the uh, the week that was. Savannah, how are you, pal? Go ahead. Continue. I'm good, John. So let's start sure. off with, uh, with one that was quite disturbing to me, um, and it happened this past week. I, I emailed it to Tamara, actually, so sh- she'll chime in as well with, with her views. But this is a, an individual who contacted us, and he spoke with somebody at my firm, and that individual at my firm uh, immediately contacted me and said, listen, uh, he was denied long-term disability, uh, you know, but the problem is that this happened three years ago. Three years ago. Can we help? And I said, probably not, but why did he wait three years? And, and, you know, let me read you exactly what she wrote back to me uh, verbatim. She says, according to the information that he gave me, he tried to be patient and not pushy when they cut him off. Hmm. I mean, let that sink in for a second. Wow. The insurance company uh, uh, denied his claim, and he tried to be patient with the insurance company and not to be pushy. Well, guess what? We have a two-year limitation period in Ontario. And, you know, if, if you get beyond that, if you've been denied long-term disability and you wait for more than two years, 
then the insurance company will take the position that you are out of time legally to start a legal claim. That means that anything you say to them, you can scream in the street, you can write them nasty letters, you can do whatever you want, nothing is going to work. Remember that the true leverage you have with an insurance company to force them to pay is starting a legal claim, a legal process, because that means that they can't get away with it. They either have to ultimately go in front of a judge, which they never want to do or almost never want to do, or they come to the table and try to settle it with you, with us, right? And right. in this case, unfortunately, this person, I believe him, tried to be patient, didn't want to be pushy. You know, we're Canadians. We're nice, right? The problem is that sometimes that works against us, and I think that's what happened here for this person. I don't have details about the disability. I don't have details about the age. But, but let me give you an extreme situation. Let's say this person is in his 30s. Let's say this person was owed $2,000 a month for long-term disability. That's $24,000 a year. Let's assume for a second this person is disabled for life. Again, I don't know if that's true, but let's just take that scenario. $24,000 owed to this person a year for the next potentially 35 years. Do the math. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that this person now cannot recover because he waited because he wanted to be patient and he didn't want to be pushy with the insurance company. My advice is do not be patient with the insurance company. Be pushy. Be the squeaky wheel. Do whatever you need to do to make sure that they pay you because this is not a charity. When there is an insurance contract, whether you're paying for it privately or your employer is paying it uh, for you, the, these insurance companies are getting premiums. They're benefiting. They're making a profit. So when the time comes and they need to pay you, they should pay you. And if they don't, you have a right to force them to do that. And if you don't want to do that, or if you fail to do that within that two-year limitation period, you are at risk of foregoing all of this money that is owed to you. You know, I'm stressing the word owed. It's owed to you. Tamar, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm so sympathetic about the situation, and I chuckled when I sort of landed on those words, patient and not pushy. I don't think uh, I've ever been described as either of those words, uh, and probably <laughs> possibly to my credit, because really, this is what we are hired to do, and, and I, I can't impress upon enough to listeners, reach out to us. I, I can understand and appreciate that while you're getting your benefits, you want to be cooperative. I commend people for that. That's That makes sense to me. But once you're cut off from your disability, benefits, all bets are off, okay? And whether you want to actually pursue your claim yourself and advocate on your behalf, that can be really tough for people, especially when you've got a disability claim. But guess what? That's what we're here for. So please reach out uh, and, and don't wait. Don't wait. One of the, the bright line tests in our province, unfortunately, is this two-year limitation period that Savannah talked about. And we're great lawyers, but there are a couple of things we can't get around, and that's one of those, uh, one of those issues is these limitation period issues. You mentioned uh, reaching out uh, tomorrow. Again, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Continue, Savannah. Okay, John, let's move on to a question that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, uh, read the question, and maybe tomorrow you can, you can give us your thoughts on that. Uh, so this comes from Joanne in Scarborough. She writes, one of my friends, uh, she's under long-term disability, and her insurance approved her uh, disability and will cover her until age 65. But at the same time, they requested her to apply for CPP disability. And the question is this, if CPP disability is not approved for her, will the insurance company use this to stop her long-term disability payments? And the second question is, if her long-term disability uh, is approved, um, under what situation will the insurance company cut off uh, payment to her? Right. So this is an interesting question. There's a couple of elements here that I want to touch on. Uh, Long story short, 
this should not be, your lack of CPP approval should not be a basis for the insurance company to cut you off. If they do, please call us. Um, that's, that's the long and short of it. Uh, but let's explain a little bit more here. These insurance policies typically have provisions that say, if you are entitled to, quote unquote, other sources of income, including CPP disability benefits, you have an obligation to apply and to uh, make sure to see if you can get this CPP approval, because if you do, the insurance company is actually going to take credit for that amount against your disability benefit. Um, and so this is why it's there. This is why they encourage you to do it. But the fact that you don't get approved should not be an indicator one way or another as to whether you meet the test for disability under the insurance policy. Um, you know, obviously, we ask our, you know, you will be asked to appeal much like you would in a, in a disability claim, but that should not impact your uh, coverage for LTD. So then that's sort of the long and short of it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. Let's take a, a quick break, guys. Some emails coming up here, and the uh, topic for the week is also on the way. In the meantime, disabilityrights.ca is the website, and toll-free 1-855-821-5900, Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Disability Law Show. Reaching out can be simple, really simple. 1-855-821-5900 is the way. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Before we get to our topic for the day, Savannah, you want to comment a little more on what we were talking about uh, with Tamar just before the break, right? Yeah, it's about that question that was posted on MyDisabilityQuestions.com. The, the individual was asking what happens if her friend applies for CPP disability and uh, gets denied. Will the long-term disability insurer use that to, to as an excuse to cut her off? And Tamar's answer, which I agree with 100%, was uh, that they should not be cutting her off LTD. Uh, simply because she got denied CPP disability. It's a different program altogether. Uh, but there was a second part to that question. Uh, that lady who, who posted the question wrote, uh, if the long-term disability is approved um, for her friend, under what situation uh, will the insurance company potentially cut off that payment? And, and you know, I guess the corollary is, is, what do you do if that happens? So, you know, in that situation, I would say, of course, that, you know, we'd want to look at a variety of factors, including what basis could there possibly be for the insurance company to, to decline, especially when they've already agreed they're going to pay uh, her until age 65. So I'd really want to see what pen to paper they've put in terms of uh, their, their basis for that decline. Uh, you know, age could also be a factor here. You know, I don't know how old, uh, you know, the, this person's friend is, uh, but I do know and I am familiar with the fact that you will be asked for periodic medical updates, even if you've been approved till age 65. The insurance company will reach out sort of once a year or twice a year to see what that medical information says. And if they don't have that medical information, that may have been a reason why uh, the insurance company uh, could cut off the payment is that you need to continue to show that there's this continuous total disability. And so your doctors need to support that on an ongoing basis, not as frequently as if you were in the initial phases of your um, adjudication of the disability claim. But certainly as you go through, there will have to be those periodic updates as you go. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add, John, except to say that, uh, you know, most people are concerned about getting uh, cut off LTD at some point. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a valid concern because insurance companies will use whatever 
they can, whatever they can latch onto, uh, you know, to, to, to cut you off or, or, or to try and pressure you to go back to work so they don't have to pay you. And again, you know, the messaging is the same, exactly what Tamar said. If you're in that situation or know someone in that situation, give us a call or email us. It doesn't cost anything to speak with us to get this advice. And then you know what you can do, what you can't do, what your options are. Remember, knowledge is power. The way the insurance company is able to do what they're doing to you, uh, in many instances it's unfair, is, is by, by doing it because you have no knowledge of, of what the countermeasures are. So just keep that in mind that we're here to give you this information and we're here to help you should you wish to challenge the insurer uh, if they do something that is wrong. Guys, let's move on to our our topic. By the way, reaching out to one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred emails help at disabilityrights.ca. The uh, top three things you should find out about your disability lawyer before you hire him or her to fight your insurance company. Number one is this, and that is how much experience the lawyer uh, and his or her law firm have with LTD cases. I guess that's a big one, right? Well, it is a big one, and I'm really happy Tamar is here today. So, Tamar, maybe you can uh, refresh our, our audience's minds, uh, you know, with respect to your experience and, and what have you been doing uh, all these years before joining us? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Suzanne, for that. I uh, So, obviously, as you both know, I have worked on the defense side for uh, a very long time uh, and was a partner at a national law firm in their insurance group and then worked uh, as an in-house litigator uh, for one of the largest disability insurers for some years as well uh, and have joined Savannah's team about uh, eight months ago now, and thankfully so. And so uh, the experience is key. I mean, we've got a really good team. Savannah's amazing. James is amazing. Michael, Albert, my myself uh, and many others among the team and you know we we leverage that experience you know I'm really familiar with the ins and outs of uh, how you know the the insurance and their lawyers will approach files what you know analysis they will do how they will perceive certain facts in the case uh, how things might play out in court uh, and so you know, take a look at that. That's the number one thing. You want to know who, what, who you're getting involved with, what kind of experience they have. And frankly, with disability, it's that much more important because I can tell you on the defense side, whoever has your file influences how that uh, claim is approached and treated. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and I remember when I did defense work years and years ago, and James will say the same thing because he did defense work too, you know, one of the first things I would do when I would get a claim to defend on my desk from my client, my insurance company client, is I would look to see who is the lawyer on the other side. And I would look to see, you know, who is the, the, the law firm on the other side? Do they have experience? Are they known names uh, within that field? Because, you know, if I got somebody who does predominantly family law, you know, who's starting an action for long-term disability or for a car accident, well, I, I wouldn't be that concerned. And frankly, that would, you know, that would affect how much money I would tell my, my insurance client that they would have to pay at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if I saw a name of a lawyer or a law firm that has a really strong reputation, who are like bulldogs, I would tell my insurance client, prepare to pay more than usual. You know, that's just human nature, right? I mean, you assess the risks. You assess, you know, what's going to happen down the road. You don't have a crystal ball, but you try and do whatever you can to replicate it with the experience you have. So that's one of the reasons, obviously, we're very happy that Tamar joined us. She brings a wealth of knowledge and experience. But this is absolutely crucial, John. Experience absolutely matters. And and it, it matters in a very practical way in that the less experience your lawyer or the law firm you hire has, 
the less money most likely you will you, you will you will get from a potential settlement down the road uh, um, you know in, in comparison to a, a, a law firm or a lawyer that has a lot more experience and, and a huge reputation in the field we are talking about the top three things you should find out about your disability lawyer before you hire them on to uh, fight your insurance company. Number two and number one are on the way. First, we'll take a, a short break here. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is one way to reach out. There is also the email, which is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll we get to those a little later on the show. So that's coming up. And always the phone number toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show, right back at it. 1-855-821-5900 is the way to reach out. It is disabilityrights.ca, the website, and also covidrights.ca. You want some information there as well. And the top three things you should find out about your disability lawyer before taking on the insurance company and fighting them, uh, number two and number one. Number two is this, uh, whether the lawyer... Um, and the practice also practice employment law again hugely important when you're uh, when you're doing your research right it, it is hugely important and i'll tell you that i just penned an article for global uh, global news online that that specifically addresses this issue because i find that we do have people who contact us who have a long-term disability issue with their insurance company but they've also uh, had issues with their employer they've been let go from their job especially now during covid there's been terminations uh, or, or there's other issues with their employment and, and what they do is they, they they tend to go to an employment lawyer uh, separately than a disability lawyer and you know you can do that but in my mind that's risky it's it's risky because if the employment lawyer doesn't understand the impact of what he or she is doing for you on the employment side, it could affect your disability rights. It could affect the, the potential uh, um, amount of money that you may be getting from your insurance company. I'll give you a very small example. We talk about this often. If you've been let go from your job and you are an LTD and your employment lawyer negotiates severance for you, well, the employment lawyer may not be aware that your LTD policy may contain a provision that provides the insurance company with a credit for any severance you may receive. So your employment lawyer is negotiating and working really hard to get you the severance that the insurance company is then going to pocket, right? They're just going to—they're not going to pay you the equivalent in LTD that that you know equates to whatever severance you got. So my point is, you want to make sure. I think, in my opinion at least that if you have a long-term disability issue, uh, that you go to a lawyer or a law firm that has that dual focus, employment and disability, because there is that interplay between the two of them. Again, you don't have to, but it's ideal. It means that you may maximize the amount of money that ultimately goes into your pocket and you avoid the pitfalls that come with hiring separate lawyers for those fields, you know, where, where you may have, have a situation where the left hand does not speak with the right hand. So, so to me, that is absolutely crucial and important. Not everyone follows that advice. Of course, at our firm, that's what we do. We only do employment law and disability law across all our offices in Ontario and in BC. Uh, and, and so when people come to us, oftentimes I will speak. In fact, every day I think I have, I, I've been speaking for the last few weeks every day with our employment lawyers who come to me uh, with questions about their clients who also have LTD issues and vice versa, speaking with their LTD lawyers who have, uh, you know, the, the, their clients also have employment issues. And so you want to make sure that you get that full package. It's just ultimately it's beneficial to you. 
Tamara, any, any, any thoughts about that? I mean, you yeah, do both. I mean, obviously, I agree. And uh, the other thing I wanted to add was the employment lawyer, without understanding and appreciating disability, may actually not know that you need to provide for it in any kind of release documentation as well. So uh, typically what will happen is you may negotiate some kind of a severance package and the employer may ask for some kind of a release. Uh, and if that release is not carefully worded uh, to specifically exclude your rights to pursue disability benefits and a claim against the disability insurer, then you may be signing away rights without even knowing it, right? So this is why it's so, so important to have, you know, someone who can understand both sides and access both sides. And, and actually, I'm one of uh, some a handful of lawyers at our firm who actually do both areas of practice. And so this is why it's so, so important to, uh, to reach out and, and make sure you vet the, the kind of team that you've got involved in your claim. And the number one reason uh, you want to vet and do your uh, research about your disability lawyer before hiring them on, and this one goes with everything in life, reputation, 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 right? That's exactly true. And, you know, again, when we were creating the list, I was thinking, you know, in, in when you're talking about properties, what's the most important about where you buy property? Location, location, location. You know, yeah. it's the same idea here. And, and you know, this is not specific only to, to lawyers. I mean, you know, when you're talking about uh, players on a hockey team or, or a baseball team, you know, the statistics of the individual and the knowledge and experience of that individual will play into the decision as to whether or not you want to get them on your team. Think about this. Think about this. You know, who do you want on your team? You're about to fight a billion-dollar entity, an insurance company. Who do you do you want somebody who's known, somebody who has a reputation? And by someone I'm not talking about just a lawyer, but the law firm, or do you want someone who does not have that? You know, to me it's 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 a clear cut uh, uh decision. Uh, but not for everyone, and some people get blinded by the billboard signs, and some people get blinded by, you know, their neighbor who potentially is a real estate lawyer and says, "Listen, I'll help you with this. It's not a big deal." <sighs> and and you know, I mean, how many times, John, have we talked about people who contacted us, uh, me, uh, and people at my firm? I, mean, I remember one time. Remember, we talked about this. This individual, poor person who got uh, denied long-term disability, went to a lawyer. That lawyer charged that person five thousand dollars as yeah. an upfront retainer, only to try uh, to appeal that decision twice, and twice got rejected. So not only did that person charge this person for this useless attempt to appeal twice, uh, but after the fact, the lawyer said, "Well, I guess it's not going to work. We're going to have to start a legal claim. That's going to cost you more money." I mean, I was livid when I heard that. This poor person who, by the way, had a very legitimate case. You know, the way we operate is really simple when it comes to long-term disability. You're paying nothing unless we recover money for you. And the, one of the reasons for that is obviously because if a person is unable to work and they've been cut off disability or denied disability, they don't have the money to pay a lawyer. That's number one. Number two, you know, we we will stand behind our decision. If we tell you we have you have a case and we're not getting paid until we can force the insurer to pay you, we're in the same boat. Mm -hmm. That lawyer who charged five grand from this poor individual, they're not in the same boat because the lawyer got paid. Meanwhile, this person, you know, is waiting at home with nothing. So, you know, reputation is important. You want to go to someone who has a reputation. You can Google us. You can Google our names. You can Google our firm. Take a look at the reviews. Take a look at, you know, the various media appearances. Take a look at some of the stories that have been reported in the news about us representing individuals. You will see how we come up quite often. And there is a reason for that. Reputation, reputation, reputation. And, and to that point, again, to the point I made before, Tamara, you may want to chime on this. Uh, when you did defense work, 
would it change your mind or, or am I correct that even as a defense lawyer that I mean up until recently when you were still working as a defense lawyer you know to you it would make a difference who was on the other side which lawyer and which law firm Absolutely. And, and as you know, that's how James and I sort of met each other the first time, was that we were sitting on the other side of the table from one another on a, on a number of cases. Uh, and it absolutely impacted uh, not only how seriously we took the file, but how quickly we were able to resolve a matter and how fairly it was. And all of those issues come into play. And so absolutely, I agree. Reputation is everything uh, on both sides of the fence. We are going to bounce over to your emails as promised after this break. Uh, you want to send one along, do it now. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number anytime to reach Tamara, Savannah, the rest of the team, 1-855-821-5900. Short break, coming right back at it. More of the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. Disability Law Show continues reaching out. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That is the email address we always use, so use it for yourself. Richard up first says, guys, my wife was denied long-term disability Last year in February, uh, we hired a lawyer a week after, and since then it's been extremely difficult to get in touch with him. Nothing has happened with her file, and every time we try to get some information about when the case will be solved, we are told by his assistant that he is working on it. We're thinking of switching lawyers after hearing your show for the past several weeks, and we just wanted to know if you think that's a good idea. We're very frustrated with her lawyer. Yeah, I bet. Well, I mean, first of all, Richard, I understand the frustration, uh, and uh, this should not be happening. You know, John, nothing makes me more angry other than hearing about a lawyer missing a limitation period. It is a lawyer uh, not responding and, and you know, being non-communicative with, with their clients. It's just not right. It's not professional. Uh, it, it's not, uh, it's, it doesn't help anything. It creates more stress and more frustration, as we can hear, obviously, from Richard, j- just from his email. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. I mean, we, we have a completely different approach at the firm. Uh, I, I'm probably a bit uh, on the extreme side of, of responsiveness. In fact, I was just communicating this morning with one of the paralegals uh, at the firm, and she had sent me an email, I think it was around 5.30 this morning, and I responded back three minutes later, and she, and nice. she actually said, oh, it took you uh, three minutes. I mean, she, she, she was saying that you know, in, in a funny way, meaning that usually I respond back in, within a minute. And I said, well, I was making coffee. So, so uh, you know, <laughs> give me a break. But, you know, there's no reason why this lawyer here, Richard, is not communicating with you and your wife. The fact that you had, uh, you know, hired him back then, uh, last year in February, and nothing has happened with your case is a major, major red flag. Major. I mean, typically we resolve claims, long-term disability claims. I mean, sometimes within a matter of days or weeks of us just sending a letter to the insurance company. That's happened to you, Tamar. Uh, you can talk about that. But, you know, at the very least, when we start a legal claim, you know, within months of starting the claim, uh, we, we, we get these resolved. And again, it depends on the case. Every case is different. It depends on who's on the other side. It depends on, on a whole variety of factors. Not everything is up to us. But, you know, two things here are important to understand, Richard. Number one, uh, the fact that nothing's happened on this matter since February of last year is a huge problem. Um, 
and and it's a huge problem because obviously she your wife's not getting paid you guys are not getting money in you know but secondly i'm not even sure if a legal claim was started remember that there's two years only two years from the fir- from the date of denial to start a legal claim we talked about that at the outset of the show with the person contacting us after three years and we can't do anything for that person so so that's the first flag the second red flag obviously is the, the non-communication so as far as I'm concerned, you should not be staying with a lawyer that acts like this, that doesn't communicate, or, or, or someone that doesn't treat you and your wife with respect. Now, switching lawyers, to me, is, is a very extreme thing to do. I, I don't recommend, generally, that people do that for a variety of reasons. I, I would not want people to switch from our firm. That's, ex- that's extremely rare when that happens. But, but certainly, I would not advise someone to, to change firms unless I thought that their claim was in critical jeopardy, that there is a really, really big problem. And if they don't switch firms, you know, they could potentially be in for a whole big mess down the road. I don't know enough about your wife's claim, Richard. I'll be more than happy to speak with you and her. Uh, but my, my view is that if the lawyer has just been dragging his, his feet and not communicating, to me, that is indicative of the fact that nothing is happening on, on the case, which is, which is a very, very big problem. Tamar, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, obviously I agree, Savannah. You know, we don't want to encourage anyone to sort of, uh, you know, break a, a solicitor-client relationship. By the same token, Richard's situation was really reminiscent of uh, someone who came to our firm uh, some months back now. Uh, you know, they had hired a lawyer that did not have the experience in disability. They had asked for a huge upfront retainer. Uh, very different. They were being charged hourly. Uh, you know, the lawyer had not started a claim. You know, all of the sort of red flags that seems to be reminiscent of Richard's situation. Uh, and guess what? They retained us, and we resolved the case within a few months. We got all of the medical records. We got the claim started, and we got the insurance company to pay more than they wanted to, more than their value, of the, the full value of the claim. So we were able to achieve something in a few months that their prior lawyer had not been able to do in a year. So, again, I agree with Savan. You know, uh, I don't want anyone to cut the relationship, but this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about the factors that you need to look for in, uh, in the right lawyer, choosing the right lawyer, and making sure that they are going to champion your rights effectively and efficiently. Uh, and certainly that's what we strive to do with all of our clients at the firm. John, on, on, on this point, remember what the, the individual that I spoke about at the outset of the show yeah. that waited for three years before contacting us about starting a claim and now he's too late remember he said that he didn't want to uh, he, he was he was being patient with the insurance company he didn't want to be too pushy and, and I, I guess the same thing can be applied here Richard to to you and your wife you know up until now presumably you've been very patient with this lawyer you don't want to be pushy now I'm not saying that you know a lawyer is not a magician right I mean I, I can't simply you know, flick a wand or something, uh, wave a wand and, and, you know, get you your money. It does take time. But the point is that you need a lawyer that understand the urgency. I mean, people in Richard's wife's position, Richard's position, John, they, they don't have money uh, coming in. You you need somebody to take decisive action immediately. And that's what we do. And we work within a team environment so that, you know, we have several people working on your claim at any given point so we can move it forward through the system that much faster. So, so that's, that's the kind of lawyer you're looking for, Richard. And again, be more than happy to speak with you and your wife just to give you some more advice on the situation. But I completely understand your frustrations. Richard, you got the email address already, but I'll give you the phone number to move on. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Doris, your email is uh, is coming up next. Stand by for that uh, right here on the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're right back out of here. Still a few minutes to go. Disability Law Show, 1-855-821-5900. Toll-free, anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. Doris, you are indeed up next. Guys, Doris writes in, says, My daughter was in a car crash last year. Her boyfriend was driving, and he lost control of his car. She suffered very bad injuries uh, to her back and right arm and hasn't been able to go back to work since. She's a school teacher, and she is on long-term disability now. We were talking to several lawyers, but the ones we spoke to tried to pressure her to sign a contract on the spot, which I don't want her to do. I also think that she needs someone who understands all the nuances of the case, including disability, car accident, possible issues with her employment, etc. I was a legal secretary for over 30 years, so I've seen my share of bad lawyers. We live in northern Ontario, so I'm not sure if you work up here. So I'm going to jump in here, John, uh, to assure Doris and her daughter that we work all across Ontario. Uh, and so, you know, we can we can dispense with that concern right away. Uh, and now that we've got accessibility across the province and, frankly, in all of our offices to work remotely, no issue at all whatsoever to do consultations uh, and run through claims. The other thing that's important, and I'm sort of seeing a theme through our show today, is that, in fact, our firm does... Uh, do the variety of areas of law that would come up from Doris's motor vehicle, Doris's daughter's motor vehicle claim. So we do matters that deal with motor vehicle accidents. Um, we deal with accident benefits. That's the no-fault insurers who provide um, treatment in other areas for uh, car accident victims. We obviously do disability work and employment work. And so, you know, you can see that the caliber of the things that we do at our firm would fit very nicely with this situation. Situation to be able to give the right analysis. And it was interesting, I picked up on the words, you know, someone who understands all of the nuances of the case. And we touched on this on our prior segments, you know, it's important for uh, the lawyer who's involved to understand the interplay between all of these different areas and, in fact, know uh, which deep pockets to go after at what time in the claim as well, right? So we want to make sure that we identify the right insurance companies, um, how does the employment piece factor in, Make sure that we're getting the right assessments. Make sure that all of those things are lined up to maximize uh, the claim uh, and move it forward effectively. Um, but I would also encourage, uh, you know, don't take too long. I, I really appreciate people vetting uh, the counsel that they choose. But as we've talked about throughout the show, uh, you know, there are timelines involved in each of these areas of the claims. And I don't want anyone losing out on rights or opportunities because they didn't submit a form on time or they didn't put someone on notice on time effectively. So, you know, uh, those are the sort of my initial thoughts, Savan. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. You know, when I look at a case like this, Doris, to me, it's a puzzle. And, you know, as, as much as I'm very sorry that, that your daughter is going through all of this, from a legal standpoint, and you'll appreciate this as, as, as you know, having been in the legal field yourself, Doris, to me, this is this is a very interesting puzzle, and I enjoy puzzles like this, not in terms of seeing the suffering, but in terms of helping people. And And, you know, to echo what Tamar said, it's important that you have a lawyer or law firm that understands how the, the, the pieces fit together because there is an interplay. One piece affects the other, right? For example, you have these accident benefits that Tamara was talking about that, that uh, um, 
your daughter's insurance company or, or whoever insured the vehicle that she was in is going to have to pay her. Uh, and, and one of those benefits is income replacement benefits. If she can't work, she's entitled to up to $400 a week. There's a formula where the insurance company calculates how much she should be getting. It could actually even be more than that, depending if there were optional benefits purchased for this policy. How does that interplay with short-term and long-term disability? How does that interplay if she has issues with her employment and gets severance down the road? You know, what about the tort claim, right? And remember, she was not at fault for the accident. It was her boyfriend. Technically, her boyfriend uh, could be the subject of a claim here, a claim also for, for, for uh, uh, pain and suffering and, and, and for other damages. And when I say her boyfriend, what I mean is, yes, it's again her bro boyfriend because he was at fault, but uh, it would be his insurance company or the insurance company of the vehicle that would be paying. So, so you see, we're dealing with, at a minimum, three insurance companies here, but potentially also the employer if there is a problem with the employer. See, it's, it's a complicated puzzle. And if you don't have a law firm or a set of lawyers that understand this puzzle, you're going to have a mess. You're going to have a mess. You know, the pieces have to fit together because each one of these potential defendants, each one of these insurance companies is going to try to, 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 to you know, create a situation to us where your daughter gets less than what she deserved. So it's absolutely crucial that when you choose the lawyer, you choose the law firm, you vet them out. But as Tamar said, you don't take too long because there, there are time limitations. But you choose someone or a firm that understands the entire picture and will be able to help you with all of the elements as, as, as you know they come about. So that's absolutely crucial. Got about a minute uh, left. Al, final thoughts for the for this week. What do you say? Oh boy, John. You know what? Final thoughts. I think I'm going. I'm going to echo what I've been saying. Uh, you know, for the last few months, which is that you know, humanity is strong. Uh, people who are listening, you are strong. You're going to get through this. Uh, I speak to a lot of people, people who are injured, people who are uh, been denied long-term disability, and they literally don't know how they're going to make it. And the message I want to send out is, you're going to make it. You're going to, and not only that, you're going to come out stronger. You need the support. You know, we can we can offer certain support. We can offer legal support, but you're you know you need the, the medical support. You need the support of the community. And, and you know, businesses are starting to open up, John. You know, life is there is a resurgence now. You're going to see that you're going to come out the other side stronger. So just don't give up. Don't give up when the insurance company tells you no. Okay, don't take that at face value. Insurance companies will say no every time they can, even if they shouldn't be saying that. That doesn't mean you can't take them on. And you know, John, I just I'll leave people with this image. People often tell me, well, I feel like it's a David and Goliath situation, and the insurance company is Goliath. And I tell them, well, remember who won that fight. Remember who won that fight. You are David. You have a lot more power than you think you do. And if you have any questions and concerns, give us a call. Contact us. It'll cost nothing to speak with us. Good work today, guys. Uh, Savannah, Tamar, you want to reach uh, either of them or James for that matter, anybody, the firm, reach out by phone, simple, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. The email from which we pull all of our emails is help at disabilityrights.ca. You can go to mydisabilityquestions.com and covidrights.ca. There's all kinds of ways to reach out. We'll catch you next time here on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.